Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Jamie, uh, there's a lot of talk nowadays uh, about you know society uh, being too restrictive. You know that that people get cancelled left, right, and centre. You know Louis C.K. Uh, shows his dick to someone, and what he's gonna he's gonna win a Grammy like five years later. He should have won it that year, guys. But uh, the evidence, of course, uh, that cancel culture uh, is not true. Uh, you know can be found nowhere else other than Armageddon Time. Uh, a movie in which Hannibal Lecter, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Hannibal Lecter, famous cannibal, is roaming the streets of New York, living <laughs> life out as a lovable grandpa. Okay? If you think that's acceptable, guys, if you think cancel culture is real, then just watch Armageddon Time and you will be proved wrong. Look, I uh, have to disagree with you, Alexander. I come from a place uh, of forgiveness. Uh, it has been many, many years since he's eaten any single human being. Look, if a human can't grow, then we are not a society at all. <laughs> and I will not accept your cancible culture. That was a joke on, on cancel and Hannibal. I don't know if it worked. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, absolutely not good, sir. We must allow those who have eaten people before to not eat people again. And I am glad that he is back and making us sad again. Jamie, how do you feel that uh, two-thirds of the uh, main cast of Armageddon Time were also in the main cast of uh, hit movie Serenity? Uh, That's right. (laughs) Jeremy Strong and Anne Hathaway are back together, guys. Once and for all, as we always wanted, they are back. Wait, Jeremy Strong's in... Yeah, Jeremy Strong so who plays... Who does he play in Serenity? He's like the weird corporate man in Serenity. He's all wearing a suit going oh, around. Oh, yes, he like... is. Yes, he is. You're right. You are absolutely... Oh, fuck. I've only just remembered... Sorry, dear listeners. I've just remembered... We haven't recorded in a while. I've just remembered everything we have to do in this show. For example, I might have to connect this movie to a Tom Hanks movie later. I have not prepared that at all. So uh, we may as well get into it to give me some time to do that. So hello! Blank Spank, the Hathaway Statuary, the show where we're chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon, and with me, as always, is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. Now, Al, uh, we may as well, I mean, do you have any life updates before we dive into the movie? Because I do have a vague connection to something you were saying, but, you know, we normally do a bit of talking. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to date this episode, uh, so I'm not going to talk about the World Cup. Uh, Canada, I hear I mean, it's real ca- well, I, real I, well. I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I can tell you I will be releasing this episode in uh, two days' time. So you don't, like, it can't be that outdated okay, by the time yeah, yeah. it comes out. I think we're doing kind of shit, but it's okay. It's okay. We're going to be fine. It's not yeah, really I, I, I have to be honest. I uh, watched uh, that England-USA game uh, at the pub. Uh, I did not watch the first game at the pub because, you know, it was 2 p.m. It was 1 p.m. Yeah. in the afternoon here. <laughs> like, acceptable uh, times, I think not. So I uh, had booked uh, a table at my local pub uh, many, many moons in advance. Uh, and I, in fact, invited some Americans to watch it with me. Uh, now, that was 
in the hopes that it would go quite well uh, and I might be able to celebrate and uh, perhaps revel um, in front of them. Uh, in fact, I watched the most boring game of football I have ever seen in my fucking life uh, and I've cancelled my pub booking for the England-Wales game. Because I was like, fuck, I was like, fuck <laughs> that. I don't want to do that again. It was really fucking boring and I can't really be bothered. I have booked for our potential knockout game, but, you know, we'll see whether, how that goes. But no, it, you know, I will get... We can't, We shouldn't even really be talking about this World Cup. It all, it's all shit. It all sucks. I may reference it later. Anyway, um, any other personal life updates before I link back to something you said two minutes ago? Something I want to talk uh, about in this movie. You know, as, of course, uh, all of our fans who are big sports people out there, you listen to a uh, comedy movie podcast, uh, you love hearing yep. us talk about sports. Uh, of course, I went to go visit our friend uh, Bennett down in Seattle. We went to go see a cracking game. And Jamie, oh, there was no deeper humiliation than uh, supporting a team which has been around for, ooh, you know, at least 20, 30 years, uh, being, you know, continually bested by a team which has been around for two years. Uh, the Kraken, <laughs> way better. It was nice to see someone win for once, uh, you know, which definitely not a uh, Canucks uh, trend at the moment. But, uh, yeah, so dis- disappointing. Uh, but, but... Now, I, I want to use this opportunity to uh, call out Seattle as a city, uh, as a sexist city, because okay. uh, we, when we were in Seattle, went to watch uh, a WNBA game, mm-hmm. uh, the Seattle Storm. Uh, and while we were there, uh, 80% of the businesses within the building were not open, uh, including some of the staircases, which made it difficult to reach some of our seats. So when you watched the Kraken, the men play, were all the businesses open? Uh, they were indeed. They, they, they were. Wow, indeed. Seattle, you're, you're called out. This is the cancelable podcast and we are cancelling the city of Seattle for their <laughs> sexist trends. This is bullshit. I tried to get a beer at the Seattle Storm game and I had to walk <laughs> for like 10 minutes. No, it I was will, utter trash. I will say the number of, of stores at US stadiums is much higher. Whereas in my memory oh, yeah, it is like Murrayfield, it's maybe there are a couple of hot dog places. So like, you know, realistically, you still have one open, give or take. Yeah, l- um, l- I will accept. Did I want to go to the, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch that was in the stadium at the Seattle Storm game? No. But the fact that it was closed and yet it was definitely open for the Kraken game. I'm not accepting it. It's unacceptable, Al. We need to do something about whatever the fuck the name of the stadium is. I do not remember. Anyway, let's dive into this movie uh, because I have many things to say. And the first of them is going to be the immediate thing. Uh, It's it's related to something you said three minutes ago. You said two thirds of this cast. I thought you were perhaps going to reference. Now, dear uh, listeners, this movie is Armageddon Time. You may not have heard of it. It did the uh, cinema, uh, not the cinema, the what do you call it? The festival circuit. Um, a few months ago, it got a theatrical release in uh, North America about a month ago and a theatrical release in the United- in the UK about a week ago. Uh, this is a movie by James Gray, director uh, and writer of films such as Ad Astra uh, and uh, The Lost City of Z, very well-respected um, director and writer in Hollywood. Uh, it is a movie about growing up being... Jewish in Queens in the 1980s. Now, I just want to reference a tweet that I saw, which refers to you saying two thirds of this cast. I thought you might have referenced uh, something to do with this tweet, which was uh, James Gray set a movie in New York in the 1980s 
uh, about Jewish people and managed to cast exclusively actors from New York who aren't Jewish. Do you know how difficult it is to do that? I, I will now, Alexander, throw... I will pass this over because yeah. you, uh, your your partner is Jewish, so yes. I, I do not get to say anything more about this. Did Alyssa watch this movie? Now, here's the issue. Alyssa and I had, and we can cut this out if you think this joke is too racy, we had a ri- initially planned a <laughs> segment which was going to be called okay. What Did You Think About It? Uh, where Alyssa would come on and give her opinion on on that. Uh, no, no, I am I am actually I'm not yeah, only do I think but, it's not racist, I'm genuinely interested. Sure. The issue was uh, at the moment. So for those of you who don't know, Alyssa unfortunately uh, her mum passed away uh, this year. Uh, the current things in movies are uh, no people dying of cancer, and as it turns out, that's in every movie. We have to now check most <laughs> movies to find out whether someone dies of cancer in the film. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we, yeah, uh, naturally, unfortunately, she has not seen it. There is, there ah. is one Jewish person in the cast. There is one Jewish person in the cast. It is Toba Filcher, who's in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She plays, uh, Anthony Hopkins' wife. You would not know. She has maybe two minutes of screen time, uh, in total. Uh, there might, there might be someone else, uh, but at least in terms of the main cast, don't think so. Yeah, yeah, no, no. This movie, uh, very strongly about Jewish people, uh, doesn't have a lot of Jewish actors yeah. in it. And this movie, quite strongly about racism, yep. doesn't have a lot it's... of black people in it. I've been bringing this up far too often. Um, uh, there are two movies coming out this year, uh, which are kind of like not about the same thing, but they're both uh, Jewish directors who have made movies uh, about you know, their time growing up, and in part aspects of those about uh, anti-Semitism. I think this is a lot more about it than uh, the other one, which of course is uh, Steven Spielberg uh, with the Fablemans, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, that one uh, does one up this by having uh, one Jewish person in the main cast. Uh, so, Woo! Let's uh, go representation, baby. Um, so I'm 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 sad that unfortunately uh, yeah. Alyssa is is un. Unable, unable to, to understandably, yeah. uh, express her opinion on this. Did she express any opinions on there being no Jewish people in this movie? It's, it, I just, uh, confusion, a lot of confusion. Uh, it's one of those things where, that, like, that's I, my, that's my thing. Like, it's not my place to say, one. but he's, like, he is a Jewish director. <laughs> like, 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 to me, again, it's not my first set. To me, yet. I feel like to him, it would be important. But maybe, it's, apparently, it's not. Apparently, to him, I, it is not important. There's a very we good podcast uh, called Blank Check, uh, which uh, I only uh, yes, found out uh, we, yeah. we had kind of ended up with the same name of after, uh, long after we changed to Blank Spank, uh, unfortunately. But... Uh, in it, uh, Griffin Newman, who uh, is an actor, um, also Jewish, is kind of talking about it. Where like it's one of those things where if there were just like some, if it was just like a certain number, it would matter less. Uh, probably like Anne Hathaway being in it. Anne Hathaway, admittedly, is married to a Jewish guy, so you know that bit is like very <laughs> from her own reality. It's, okay, so so Al, Al, I'll ask you this. Yeah. I'll ask you this question as someone who uh, is uh, soon to be married to a Jewish person. Would you feel comfortable being cast as a Jewish person? Uh, Jamie, I uh, think you might not know that I played Mr. Mushnick in my high school production of uh, Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> uh, during the audition uh, for which my uh, the director went. Could you do that again, but with um, more Jewish? <laughs> 
<laughs> in, in the audition. Look, Al, Al, from my knowledge of Scottish high school plays, that is the least inappropriate Scottish oh, high yeah. school play I've heard of. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that this movie did go through some various uh, recasting. Now, I do not know these uh, actors' uh, backgrounds. Maybe you sure. do know. But originally cast was Robert De Niro, Oscar Isaac, uh, and Donald Sutherland. Do you know if any of those people are Jewish? Donald Sutherland's Canadian, uh, father of Keith Sutherland. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure not. Uh, he might be. You know, is he from Toronto? My guess is he's... I mean, I'm almost certain De Niro isn't. No. And I'm pretty sure Oscar Isaac isn't. Oscar Isaac is not either. Honestly, it's even more impressive that they managed to recast this movie and still not cast any it's, Jewish people it's, in it. It's, it, yeah, it's it's weird. It's like you said, not necessarily our place to criticize, but it 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 is odd. Um, I was, I, I'll just say, I was surprised. That's what I'll say. I was surprised yeah, to yeah, not yeah. see uh, to, you to do... see. Uh, this casting. What the hell you want to do with your own movie? It is, and in reality, I think as with all these conversations of it, it's not necessarily a comment on the quality of a thing at all. Um, nope. Just, just kind of weird. Just, you know. Just weird. It's just weird. Because, you know, like, <laughs> it's really most of what the movie is about, right? Like, it's, yeah, yeah. like, it is this director making a movie about his own childhood, ostensibly, um, growing up, being Jewish in Queens. Now, we may discuss the questionability about how true this childhood is and whether he wants to tell his story about his own childhood and whether the actual events of this childhood are the same as his events. Uh, because if they are, I would strongly question his choice to recreate them. Uh, but you know what, Al? I watched uh, earlier this year another directorial, uh, you know, biopic, non-biopic, you know, telling the story of their childhood uh, and that was Belfast uh, made by Kenneth Branagh and I will credit James Gray because he did not do the thing that Kenneth Branagh did which was make the story of his childhood and cast the two most sexually attractive people I've ever seen as his own parents and have many scenes where it's entirely revolved around their own sexual chemistry now I will freely say, James Gray, well done. You did not do that. Because mm. Kenneth Branagh, I don't know if you're listening. I really hope you are. That would be delightful. But I don't know if you're listening. That made me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> the fact that I knew you were behind the camera going, oh, go on, mum. Oh, fuck yeah, you look hot. So credit to James Gray on Sorry. his casting. Why, why in your mind is the director just sitting behind a camera just getting his chub on? Like, what? Look, look, if you saw the shots from... Did you watch Belfast? No, admittedly I didn't. No, if you saw the shots from this movie, okay. you would imagine the director behind the camera going, oh, fucking hell, no. that's hot as shit that is. Jamie, speaking of sexy movies, uh, of course, uh, Armageddon Time, uh, Rip yeah. Roaring Good Time, uh, you know, should definitely fall yeah, under yeah, the... the uh, probably the least sexy drama. movie I've seen this year. Oh, my God. Uh, 
do we do... God, this sounds very bad. Uh, do we do the Six Degrees of Tom Hanks before or after? I have forgotten. Uh, I believe we do the Six Degrees of Tom Hanks before. I believe we do the anagrams afterwards, which uh, I also have not thought about. Uh, I've also seen you immediately realise you have not thought about. I'm, I'm bringing out... Uh, a pen and paper. I might think about that uh, during this. Or actually, you know what? Al, yeah. Al, we're going to... Oh, no, wait, I can't do it because neither of our partners have seen this movie. I was going to say we should immediately task this onto our partners between now and when we get to anagrams. But uh, neither of them have seen the movie. Okay, cool. We'll have to figure that out as we go. Um, but we do Six Degrees of uh, Tom Hanks indeed. Uh, I think I can do this. Uh, in fact, I'm almost certain I can do this in three off the top of my head. Uh, unless I'm, I'm just going to double check uh, that the person. Uh, oh, no, I, I can't do it. I can't do it because Jeremy Strong is not in Wolf of Wall Street. Jeremy Strong is not in Wolf of Wall Street. Jeremy Strong is in uh, the other one. The Big, the big short. short. Yeah. I'm sure I can get there, though. So uh, he's in The Big Short with um, Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is no... Uh, Brad Pitt was in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Leonardo DiCaprio. And Leonardo DiCaprio was in uh, Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks. There you go. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, we did not introduce that segment. Uh, but that was Six Degrees of Tom Hanks. That is connecting this movie... Okay. To our erstwhile season okay. one star, Thomas Jeffrey Hanks, we're, we're, through the game six weeks of separation. Can this. you do it? Sure. Tova Felcher uh, is in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend also stars uh, Santino Fontana, who is in the uh, hit movie Frozen. Uh, oh, oh, where are we going with Frozen? Okay, Frozen, 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 Frozen. Uh, in... it's, it's full of TV stars. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Shit, there's so many TV stars in that film. Or, or theatre, stars... like Jonathan yeah. Groff, that's not going to help you. Maybe Jonathan Groff can help. What's Jonathan Groff in? Nothing. Oh, He's surely, nothing surely Lynn Mar Miranda can get you somewhere. Surely. Oh, Lin... there you go. There surely... you go. Exactly. Oh, actually, yeah, no, I can. Yeah, yeah I can do it. Okay, okay, okay. So Jonathan Groff stars in Hamilton. That's not. Oh, in the Disney Plus recording of Hamilton. There you go. That's technically. <laughs> there you <a> movie. go. <laughs> Co starring. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. I'm trying to think if Christopher. No, uh, he wasn't. So Lin Manuel Miranda stars in uh, Mary Poppins Returns alongside uh, Meryl Streep, and Meryl Streep stars in The Post. We got there eventually. There I think maybe we exactly got there. Both six. of us, both of us, fucking free ball in this. Dear listeners, if you thought that sucked, just wait till we have to come up with some anagrams on the fly as I write Armageddon time on a old envelope um but yes with that we uh, may start and al i'm obviously i want i want to preface this by saying uh, al every uh, episode has his little bit where he goes this film begins like all good films should and most of the time he skips past the actual first bit i want to talk about <laughs> But this time, yeah. I'm really intrigued to see if the actual first thing you see, you picked up on as much as I did. Because the first thing you actually see, I was shocked by immediately. So I want to see. Al, you, you may do your bit. This film begins as all good films should in New York 
in just before Reagan comes into power. That's right, Giuliani hasn't cleaned up the streets yet. It's dirty with crime and war and rage. And Jamie, I don't remember what you're talking about specifically. No, yeah, no, no, you, you have missed it. Uh, Al, Al, this film begins as all film, film, good film should, with a title card. Yeah. Now, Al, did you note the font that they use for the title card? It was like a graffiti font. Yes, yes, it was like a graffiti font. I might uh, equate it to perhaps the Fresh Prince font or, or the Wild and Out font, sure, if that sure. might be your closer reference. Immediately, very strange decisions. Personally, I thought it was very odd. I knew a little bit about going into this movie. I knew it was a coming-of-age movie about a Jewish family in the 1980s. So for the immediate first thing I see to be Armageddon time in, again, as best as I can describe, a Fresh Prince font, I thought was slightly questionable. We will then discuss the movie, and then I will return to this point when we get to the end of the movie, because it relates to one of my main issues with the movie. Alexander, you may return to Reagan's America. Uh, guys, do you know Ronald Reagan? Everyone's uh, favourite actor uh, turned FBI informant who uh, ratted out his fellow actors uh, to the McCarthy committee. You remember him? Did you know that not only did he become governor of California, fun fact, but fun fact, he ran for president and won <laughs> twice. Crazy. And guys, get this. He was old. Can you imagine what it's like to have an old president? I, I can't, but that's because I'm not American and I don't have a president, okay? I live with a queen and now a king. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, since the time of our last podcast, I think we now have a new uh, head of state uh, in both of our countries. I can't remember if uh, the queen died before or after Pinocchio, Jamie. Oh, I think we'd recorded Pinocchio after the Queen died, but really, who knows? I've just been in such a Queen death haze for so many months, Alexander. Well, Jamie, you are still wearing black, which uh, for our listeners, uh, he is dread <laughs> yeah, yeah, to in I, uh, yeah. mourning for the Queen. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. No. And, and I will never change. Uh, this yeah, is me for, for the rest. Uh, so our uh, film centers around uh, a wee boy called Paul. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Graff, uh, lives in New York. Uh, he goes to public school. Uh, his uh, older brother currently goes to a posh private school. Uh, but Paul's like living it out uh, in uh, public school with his mum, who is apparently head of the PTA. Paul is starting in sixth grade. Uh, yeah. Gonna... Now, yeah. I, I want to make it clear, uh, just because it's relevant later. Uh, sixth grade, as far as I'm aware, is uh, 10 or 11, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. Cool. Carry on. It will become relevant later. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in sixth grade, uh, he it's the first day of class. Uh, he's drawing. First thing he kind of does uh, is he's drawing uh, his teacher uh, as a turkey. Uh, draws like a beautiful head, and then we later find out he's done a turkey body uh, under there, uh, which the teacher is not happy about uh, whatsoever. Uh, Paul is sent to the front of the class uh, to stand there and, I guess, not learn. Uh, also sent there yeah. is uh, Johnny, Johnny Davis, played by uh, Jalen Webb, who is repeating the sixth grade for a second time. Uh, yeah. He failed And the is fourth... the only black kid in class. Yes. Uh, 
John, clearly the teacher has a problem with Johnny, uh, and, which is shown to the point where um, Paul jumps around uh, behind the teacher's back and kind of does a wee dance, which makes the class laugh. Uh, and Johnny is the one who gets in trouble for it. So the teacher has a yeah. problem with him. Uh, but the two now, now, friends- dear, dear listeners, dear listeners, you you may have caught on. Oh, the most subtle of message there about a black child being punished. Uh, for a white child's action and receiving more severe punishment than that of his peers. I'm sure that will remain so subtle as I read in reviews through the rest of this movie that the the social commentary is so subtle and, and layered throughout. Uh, Am I giving away too much my thoughts about I, this movie? I, I, I have no idea how Jamie feels about it. Goes, I... He, that Jamie, don't cry. It's it's okay. Please don't sob. It's I, I know the, you're the, overwhelmed the with emotion. The movie's just so subtle, Al. I was overwhelmed with the subtlety of the that movie. That is fair enough. The uh, first thing we see is a black kid getting punished for a white kid's misbehaviour. Yeah. I've no clue where this movie's going to go. That's cool. I hope Setter. we meet. I hope we meet another black character, Al. I'm so excited. So uh, anyway, so thank for my quick friendship. You know, yeah. they, they are clearly the odd ones out, sort of. Paul likes drawing. Uh, Jalen really wants... Uh, so not Jalen. Uh, sorry, Johnny uh, really likes... Uh, wants to be an astronaut. He loves NASA. He has all these little NASA stickers. Uh, he says that his stepbrother lives down in Florida and works for the Air Force near uh, the uh, base there. Uh, I do want to say, uh, it, I, it may, I think it occurs relatively early in this first scene. Uh, the reason I wanted to note in on uh, this character's age... Uh, is because the first thing we see these children learning is subtraction. They're 11, Al. I don't know about you. I learned subtraction way earlier than 11. Like, way earlier. And this really brings me to my thought that what this film should really be about is the failure of the American education system in the 1980s. It will become relevant Jamie, later on. Jamie, this will Jamie. be my through line because I don't want to talk about the actual themes okay. of this movie because Jamie, they suck. Little Lord Fulcroy Jamie, okay? You grew up when you went to school in what, like the 1990s? I, I don't know how old you are. Uh, <laughs> but of course, this is the 1980s, Jamie, all right? Maybe even the 1970s. I don't know. I don't know when uh, Reagan was invented. Not invented, was elected. I believe and- it. I I believe it's 1984. Sure. This is for you, Bennett. Uh, I know you're out there listening. Uh, of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. Reagan. One, one of our dear listeners gets so angry when we yeah. get basic American I don't know why. Wrong. I mean, like, we know that Reagan was the governor of New York, uh, which, you know, is famous. <laughs> he was famous for starring in sci-fi movies, also famous, and for being uh, the first Democrat uh, to be elected for two terms. Uh, some great history there for you. So anyway... They're kind of becoming close friends. They kind of, the dynamic is currently set up where Paul describes himself as being rich. Or he's like, oh, my parents are rich. When uh, it is set up that they're going on a class trip to the Guggenheim. Uh, but in order to go on the class trip to the Guggenheim, you have to be able to pay for it. Uh, so Paul's like, ah, my parents can pay Al, for you. Al, Al, do you remember when you were learning subtraction and the next week they took you to the Guggenheim? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but Jamie... Uh, yeah, these are really equal levels of yeah, education. Yeah. No, no. One week, subtraction. Next that's, week, abstract art. That's what I meant to to comment on, Jamie. Thank you for reminding me. It's This is the past. There just wasn't as much to learn back then, okay? So, like, you had to really stretch it out. 
Year one was the alphabet. Year two was words. Year three is subtraction and addition. And the Guggenheim. And the Guggenheim. And of course, the Guggenheim. Um, so yes, he. Uh, th- there's uh, again just a. Just a super subtle image as they're leaving school uh, to to show the difference between these two kids. You know, uh, Johnny goes and gets on the bus and uh, I can't remember our main character's Johnny. name. What's his name? No, it's Johnny's no. name. Uh, Paul. Paul, sorry. Paul's the main character. Yeah. Uh, Johnny goes to get on the bus and Paul literally walks to the other side of a fence to walk home to his rich house. Yeah. Uh, he gets home. Uh, I was watching this with a friend uh, who happens to be American and uh, she described Paul as a latchkey kid. Now, I've heard this term before. Yes. Uh, I did not know what it really meant and that it literally meant latch and key it was a child whose parents were you know quite rich but also relatively absent and so the child would be given free reign of the house when they came home from school i.e they would be given a key to the house and free reign of the latch hence latch key kid we learn something new every day but yeah so he gets home um his parents are both out where he uh, runs into his grandfather, played by uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's right, Hannibal Lecter himself. Will he eat this child? Stay to the end to find out. <laughs> uh, so uh, this grandpa Aaron, uh, he kind of, they have a really sweet relationship. And rather than just go through it all in yeah. too much detail, but basically uh, Paul loves drawing and the grandpa like helps encourage that. Um, Anthony Hopkins, yeah. I just want to throw this out here. The entire way through this movie, giving a brilliant performance. I do, I do oh, love he's Anthony Hopkins in this. He, he is, is absolutely really, fantastic. Really good. And again, not to give away my thoughts too much, but he's doing very well with very little. Uh, I, he is not, he is not exactly given fantastic material. Sure. Um, and I think he he does really, really well with that. I fully agree with you. I, I think the relationship between yeah. these two is is very, very good. Um, they kind of set a couple things up. He gives them some jelly beans. Uh, he tells uh, Paul that he ha- for to be a real artist, you have to sign your work. So Paul gives it yep. a wee sign. He's drawing a, a little picture of a superhero. Uh, and the grandpa yep. gives Paul a present for it being his first day at school. And the present is a toy rocket. Uh, after that, we uh, they have dinner. Uh, we meet the rest of the family. Uh, Anne Hathaway is the daughter of Anthony Hopkins. Uh, she's playing Esther Graf. Uh, she's married to Jeremy Strong, who's Irving Graff, who we can kind of first see fixing a refrigerator uh, as that's kind of going on. Uh, they have uh, dinner that night. Uh, the grandparents are there. There's you know, lots of family around. Uh, they're having some fish. Uh, Paul is having none of it. And like the little shit he is, is like, I'm going to order some dumplings. Who wants dumplings, well, well, guys? There's two There's two little weird things that go... So yes, firstly, there is uh, the chaos of the dumplings. But before that... The grandmother is talking about World War Two, and at the same time, Jeremy Strong happens to sneeze up no, his own soup. I I think what specifically what happens is she says we got these I got these cups when I was working in Czechoslovakia for the state agency extraditing people back to uh, America, and I saw these cups and I went. These were cups from people who died in the Holocaust, so I bought them and brought them back home as Jeremy Strong is drinking from the cup. So he is startled by this and snorts and has like a snot bubble come out, 
which yeah. the kids laugh. This too. makes Paul very, this makes Paul laugh <laughs> deeply, and apparently no one else at the table looks at Jeremy Strong runts because they all <laughs> assume he's laughing at the Holocaust. So they get very angry at him. This starts a furor, and he's like, "I don't like this dinner anyway. I'm going to go and order Chinese food." And the way that they try to stop him from his misbehaving is just remaining seating and shouting at him while he's ordering Chinese food on the phone going, stop doing that. Hey, hey, no. Hey, guy, I I wish you please don't. These these parents are terrible. You you just go and fucking hang up the phone. Like It's real easy. I mean, Anne Hathaway uh, does uh, two important things. Uh, One, uh, this, she's like, oh, uh, don't make your dad angry. Uh, The dad seems chill at this point. Uh, she also is like, hey, I'm going to run for school board president. Uh, I think this will yeah. be a good time. I'm going to run for school board president. Anyway, that's kind of that scene. Uh, they, they ordered some dumb things. It's Anthony Hopkins, yeah. Anthony Hopkins puts him to bed, uh, tells him basically the story of World War II, uh, which, again, I feel like an 11... But, you know, the, I was going to say I feel like an 11-year-old would know, but, you know, this 11-year-old's only just learning I, about yeah. subtraction, so maybe I, not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm being too generous to this I, 11-year-old. I don't know at what age you start being like, uh, so, hey, uh, I actually think he doesn't necessarily tell the story of World War II in this one. He tells the story of uh, he, he, how he, he came across. He tells the story rush. of how he came across, came across. but so it was, the kid very seems to not know no. about World but War II like, because he very, he's like, why was she yeah. running? And it's like these people wanted to kill yeah. her. It's Let like, me tell who? you about pogroms. Uh, like, they yeah. they are kind of uh, Ukrainian-Russian uh, Jews who came across uh, fleeing that. His mum came to Ellis Island. Um, uh, via Liverpool, I believe, yeah, specifically. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of the setup for the film. Um, we get into the next bit, uh, kind of skipping ahead. Uh, we have, they get to the Guggenheim, that's the kind of next major yep. bit. Like, in class, Paul is still struggling a lot. Um, but it mainly just because he's not paying attention. Like, he doesn't really care about focusing yeah. on anything. He just wants to draw. They go to the Guggenheim. Yeah. He has an almost religious moment with one of the pieces of art. And he thinks that, like, uh, it's, artists... Uh, Kandinsky, I believe, yeah. is... Yeah. And he thinks that, like, art is his way to fame. They realise mm-hmm. kind of early on, he steals some money from his mum to help pay for... Um, to help pay for Johnny's tickets. Uh, Johnny's like, dude, they didn't do a head count. Let's bounce. Uh, they bounce yeah. uh, out into New York. They go around. They're talking about what music they like. Uh, Johnny likes the uh, Sugar Hill uh, Gang. No, not Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill. Yeah, it is Sugar, Sugar Hill Gang. gang. Uh, whereas uh, Paul likes uh, the Beatles, uh, but they kind of like they, they really get on well. <laughs> again, guys, guys. Again, I'd like to reference that review I read. The, you know the the tones of of the racial differences. They're but, just so subtle. So, so, so I, I want to jump in here. <laughs> As a theme, as a theme, it's not subtle at all. Like it, it no. like it's what the film's up. The film is about largely, as we'll get into, how, uh, and it, it's it's about Jewish culture. But like how, as if you are a community of people who have fled persecution all your life, it is very easy to focus on self advancement to the uh, detriment, not even to the detriment, well, yeah, sorry, to the detriment of others. That you can say, well, I'm focused on getting me and my family up. I don't care about anyone else. And start to other other people who are also disenfranchised. That's not a subtle theme. What I will say is that it's a very, very naturalistic style of acting and directing they're doing. So in that sense, the individual characters are all subtle up until the end of the film when they are more explicit in 
talking about what the film is about. So you're, you're completely right. Theme-wise, not <laughs> subtle at all. Performance-wise, everyone is acting like a 10-year-old kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's very naturalistic performance. I don't, I, I don't like to criticise child actors. I don't think uh, Johnny is great in this, and I don't know whether it is a case of acting or direction, but he comes off uh, very... I don't want to use the word stereotyped, but at least very broad in the characterization that he is portraying. Whether that I, is the child's fault or the writing's fault or the director's fault, you know, I'm, I'm more willing to give sure. it to the writer I, and the director than the child. Yeah. I think it's probably a writing fault more than anything. Um, I, I actually like Johnny's performance. Uh, I, I like all the kids, really. Like, I, I really do like uh, both I th- I Paul. think Paul's very good. I act, yeah. I act, Paul and um, Anthony Hopkins yeah. have, a, have a very I'm good, uh, sweet All this time when they are ditching class and going out in New York, yeah, I'm sorry, going, back to the you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Yeah. You're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Uh, feeling like disaster is uh, constantly uh, on their backs. Uh, they go to buy the records. They get on the subway to go back home. On the subway, uh, some older kids uh, who are black, basically, they are like, uh, Paul and Johnny are talking about how Johnny wants to be an astronaut. And um, they, he says, you know, if I become the first, uh, if I go to Mars, they'll have to call it the Davis mission. Because um, they're talking about Neil Armstrong. I think Johnny gives uh, Paul one of his stickers. Uh, two older kids come across and they're like, they're never going to let your black ass uh, become an astronaut. Like, give up your dream. Uh, Johnny leaves and is really upset. Clearly, Paul doesn't really understand. He he understands it, but he but in a way like that, that a ten year old does, that an eleven year old does. He's he it's not of his experience, and so he's not quite understanding of the world in the way that Johnny has been forced to. Uh, they get yeah. back to school. There is no repercussions to that. Uh, while they are there. Um, they go out with the granddad again. I think the granddad's feeling a little bit sick or something, but but doing okay. Spoilers for the beginning, by the way. Apologies for saying that the granddad has cancer. Apologies for that, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> you did fully spoil that. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Johnny continues to uh, act out in class quite a lot. Uh, he he calls the teacher a turkey a lot. Um, he he swears at him uh, and is constantly punished. I, I think it's specifically after this incident that he starts out acting more. That he feels like the system is very much against him, which it, it yeah. is. Uh, and like he hates this teacher who held him back and he feels it's like... And specifically, all the punishments are insane. The punishments are always, you will go outside and not learn anything in this class. Yeah. And then eventually when he comes yeah, back yeah. in, the teacher's like, nah, you've missed too much, you can't learn, just sit there and think. Um, which is yeah. insane. And it really... Again, this movie is about the failure yeah. of the American education sure. system. Uh, at this point, uh, Johnny comes back with uh, a marijuana cigarette, uh, which he offers to uh, Paul. Uh, Johnny and Paul smoke it. Uh, they get caught by their teacher, taking the headmaster. Uh, and uh, the headmaster's like, look, Paul shouldn't have done this. Apparently he doesn't know what weed is. Uh, apparently he doesn't know it's legal. He maybe needs to go into a special needs class. Uh, he is slow. Uh, he is not, you know, coping with the classes. He needs to be moved to special needs. His mum is very angry. They take him out and they put him into private school. That is broadly kind of covering that entire section of it. Um, it's at this point the mum takes him home, kind of, 
kind of chokeslam him up against the wall. Like, definitely shoves him against the wall. Says, wait till your father hears about this. You know, you've you've ruined my chance of becoming uh, school class president. Uh, not school class president, sorry, school board president. Uh, and when they get home, uh, Paul runs straight to the bathroom, locks the door, hides in it. And uh, Jeremy Strong, like Jack from The Shining, just beats yep. down the door. <laughs> that was exactly what I was scene of the about. movie. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Like, beats it down and then just beats this child... Um, with a belt, with a belt, which is uh, horrific. Uh, it is uh, really deeply upsetting, uh, and I did not like it at all. It was really upsetting. How? How? how it, potentially spicy? T- like you could have gone harder. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not saying. I'm not saying I want to see a child beaten, hmm. but I will say that the filming of this really hides the violence I, of I that don't so think, yeah it, it, in my in my memory of it so jeremy strong comes in he's got the belt he raises his arm and then we see just uh paul in a very tight shot we don't really see him getting hit really we can't really see it in the frame we can't see we don't see jeremy strong actually moving his arm we don't see any of the movement there again I've, the, I feel, as soon I, as these words come out of my mouth sure, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, hear, yeah. I hear like i sound like a sick pervert sure. but in my mind when i was watching what that I, scene the framing seemed odd to me that i didn't actually see much of the violence i, I get that but i feel that's like very like tradition of drama right like it's very greek to show the drama off screen they're, fo- they're like what they're doing is they are focusing solely on paul's reaction to it so they are being like, yeah. this is, so they're showing Paul carrying in fear. Like the, the thing which matters to him and which will linger with him is not actually the physical wounds. It's the like psychological torment of this person who lives in your house, who is meant to love you unconditionally and is your father. You are terrified of him and they are focusing on the terror. I will say what's interesting is like, I love horror. Like I really, I really love yeah. horror movies. I can watch a lot of very grisly violence. I can watch a lot of things that are very scary. I think more than you, uh, a little bit in terms of my taste for like dark horror. But the second it's either yeah, yeah, sexual no, I, violence, I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't like actual scary movies no. at all. But the um, second it's like either in drama, sexual violence, or the abuse of children, is the most painful thing for me to watch. So the like my the, honestly the room the film I found scariest was Room because I don't I hate the idea of someone is getting sexually is getting raped off screen and a child is living in a tiny room until they can escape that for me is is incredibly tense so this was about as much as i could take um that's fair that's fair me i wanted to see that no, little no, no. shit take yeah, yeah, yeah. it <laughs> no, what you really want to see is the kids to fight back you know like let's let's come on man <laughs> yeah. this like 10 year old against jeremy strong come on jeremy strong doesn't look that strong come on no. i know it's in his name but um, um so yes uh after that they agreed to send him to the private school i don't think we mentioned this uh, yet the older brother is yeah. in the private yeah. school um he it basically they were seen as they couldn't afford to send both of them he was seen as the more promising one yeah. so he was sent whereas paul was two other things and the speech that if Anne hathaway gets nominated for an oscar which we'll talk about at the end is uh the one where she chokes lands her son um she specifically talks with like was it that little black boy who gave you the cigarettes so this is yeah this is the undercurrent of up until now we've not seen his parents be racist in any way uh it becomes more prevalent now they start talking of like oh your dad saw some black kids in the yard and scared them off that kind of thing 
um, it is uh, definitely becoming more of him realizing that his parents also uh, are racist, harbor these sorts or of views. harbor racial prejudices. Um, um, yeah, so the the pe- the grandparents at this point at the dinner are like, you've got to se- you've got to send him to the nice school that Ben mm. goes to. Like, he won't he won't meet any of those sorts there and etc and so yes he ends up going to the private they do it's an important conversation they have which is uh that the grandfather um through all of his life when he was trying to apply to institutions when he's applying for jobs when he's applying for universities that they would see his surname was like rabinowitz and they he would not get opportunities for that he'd be discriminated against for that in Uh, a way that paul actually hasn't in his experience in the film so far, if you know what I mean? Like, at this point, yeah. Paul has not experienced being othered at growing up as a Jewish kid in New York. So no. they kind of talk about this, and it's such a focus for them where they're like, we're really happy your name is, you change your name to Graf, because it doesn't sound Jewish, and you will get opportunities for that. So they are so focused in on assimilation, right? Like, if you seem white, if you don't seem Jewish, if you can hide what you are, then one, you'll be able to progress more. And then two, the implication behind that is like, in the case of there was another pogrom or what if Americans decided to turn against Jews? Like, they wouldn't know you were Jewish. Um, And that is always in the background of everything they do is this fear of violence. Um, And I think they do that well. So he goes to the school. Moving on. Um, I think he tells... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, in his, he's in his posh uh, uniform. He yeah. takes a briefcase to school, yeah. which seems weird because his older brother does, does not. not have a briefcase. No. He has a backpack. I don't know why they set up this child for bullying yeah. so easily. Um, but they... yeah, he's, he's, he's even got his hair done, yeah. like slicked back and stuff. You know, he goes uh, on the first day, uh, they're giving a little assembly. Uh, it, let's, let's just zoom in on that. Uh, who... Who's the who's giving that assembly? Oh, all right, that's a, oh, that's, that's Fred weird. Trump. That's a, that's a Fred oh, Trump. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is Ooh. Donald Trump's dad, Fred no, Trump. How uh, odd! I think it's Donald Trump's brother. I think it is uh, Fred Trump Jr., not Fred Trump Senior. Are you sure? Because yes, because the, uh, Jessica Ch- no Jessica Chastain's is, character is Donald Trump's sister. No, I, uh, I think Jessica Chastain's character is Donald Trump's niece. I think. I'm going to double check double this. Check. I'm it's almost Marianne certain Tr- that Fred Trump. Tr- so I, I think Marianne Trump is the Attorney General, who I believe is her sister. Yeah, she's no, Fred, Fred Trump, children, Marianne, Fred Jr., Elizabeth, Donald, can Robert. You, can you quickly just do me a favour? Because I'm sure you're correct. Could you tell I'm, me if, I'm looking at I the Wikipedia page Trump of Fred Trump. I Fred also had a kid called Marianne. <laughs> yes, Fred, uh, no, Fred Trump, Fred Trump was Jr. married to Mary Mary Ann and right. had a child called Marianne. Right. So... Fred Trump is Donald Trump's dad, yeah, yeah. who is but, the one holding this assembly, and brings up Jessica Chastain, yes. who is Mary Ann, who is not his wife, Mary Ann. That's his child, no. Mary Ann. You can, you can who see is why this Donald got Trump's. Real I can't, I can't, I can't oh, see God. how this is confusing who to did you. He get uh, did mainly he get because Fred Trump is a little freak who oh, named Fred his Trump own child. Sucks ass. Anyway, Jessica Chastain shows up uh, and gives. And a... she is playing Donald Trump's. Sister, 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 Mary, sister, no, yeah, yeah. sister, sister Mary Ann, not his mother, mother Mary Ann. <laughs> Come on, it's so easy. It's so easy. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so it, Fred Trump had a, sorry, Fred Jr. had a daughter, Mary, which is where I'm getting confused with all of this. 
Oh, yeah, no, oh, no, no, yeah, no. Fred Reggie's daughter, sad. Mary L. Trump, uh, basically hated. Uh, anyway, Fred Trump was a monster. Uh, Jessica Chastain comes up and gives. Oh, more importantly, uh, before this even happens, they're like, hey, uh, anyone who's uh, wanting to uh, vote in the election, and all the school are like, Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. They're a bunch yeah, of yeah. 10 year olds. Look, These people Al, are psychopaths. Psychopaths. Al. We both went to private schools. We can freely admit that on this oh, podcast. Yeah, sure. at, 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 at any assembly, did anyone, irrelevant of any political leanings, start chanting any politician's name ever? No. With like, when no. you were growing up, did they start going, Thatcher, Thatcher, <laughs> if we ever do like direct if, uh, hypothetically we direct a movie of our childhoods there has to be a scene <laughs> where someone starts being <laughs> well al i might argue that both of us have as much to say about our childhood as this fucking director has to say yeah. about his um, anyway I, the, I can so tell we're gonna get to the end of this and you really like this movie and i did not I, I, and i'm so excited she gives a full-on like reagan speech of look ladies and gentlemen i marianne trump not marianne not mary l trump <laughs> marianne trump have never taken one hand out in my life okay you here today you are the future of this world but you're gonna have to work hard for it and when you do you'll know that you took not one dime from mr government's pocket uh but god she sucks um but she's an attorney general so you know i guess good for her uh we then proceed to see Paul go through class. Uh, he's going through some early classes. He's not really focusing. He's told to straighten his tie. He's clearly uncomfortable. He goes outside for a recess, uh, and uh, it's by the fence when Johnny walks by. Uh, Johnny and Paul had previously had a conversation uh, a little bit before uh, Paul changed schools, where uh, Johnny was mentioning that uh, there was a Sugar Hill Gang uh, concert going on. Paul said he wanted to come. Uh, now Paul is really uncomfortable talking to Johnny at the uh, gates. His brother had given him a pep speech before he came over in which he was like, look, you got to just fit in. Don't say anything to stand out. Don't embarrass yourself. Just be normal. He's clearly giving Johnny the cold shoulder. At this point, uh, Johnny walks off. Uh, sad that his mate can't come to the concert. And uh, the kids uh, from school uh, called Johnny a slur, uh, the N-word. Uh, and uh, yep. clearly Paul is uncomfortable with this, but he feels like he needs to fit in. So it's not that he says it, it's that, that he says nothing. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think uh, he very specifically says, uh, like, they're, they're like, did did that N-word ever come around to your house? Uh, and he says, like, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, m- m- maybe one time. Um, and they immediately start mocking him, and he was going, and he goes, "Just no, nah, no, nah, I, I was kidding. He, he never came around." Um, yeah. I don't want to spend too long on this. Al, we both watched the rehearsal this uh, this year. Yeah, uh, wherein uh, spoilers for the rehearsal, like a big part of it is like kind of how fucked up it is to have child actors, yeah. and how a lot of child actors can't quite process what they're uh, acting yeah. in. How do you feel about having a child actor say the N-word? I felt immediately uncomfortable. I get that it may, it serves a narrative purpose. I, I fully get that. It absolutely makes sense. But my immediate thought was the rehearsal, where we watched how 
child actors can be quite significantly negatively affected by the sure. characters they are I, portraying. I feel that's why it's important to, one, uh, have child psychologists and have proper, like, do not just meet the legal minimum requirements for, like, care for actors, but to have, like, full-on, like, teams there who can work with kids about this. Because, I like, for example, like, I think certainly, like, a 10 to 12-year-old knows what the N-word is. And... Most yeah. 10 to 12 year olds know that they should not use that word. So in this kind of context, if you were working well as a director and you're working well there, then certainly there's, uh, it's something there. I like the pitch, which is that all people under the age of 18 should be able to work in one film once uh, before they're 18 <laughs> and then no more. And that's maybe, maybe the best way to do it. I mean, the Harry Potter franchise is fucked, so they're going to have to recast Harry for every movie. Get some CGI, man. Um, Probably Um, not a bad idea. Speaking of child psychologists, though, the next part in the movie I do want to look at because um, he's talked about how um, he's got... It's like... What, what, I can't even remember what it's called. It's like spare time or whatever. And um, the, one of the other kids makes a joke. It's like, oh, if you cry, then maybe she'll let you ho- stick your face in her boobs. So he goes in, and what this is, Al, is one-on-one therapy. Yeah. This is one-on-one therapy. Now, look, again, we both went to private schools. I never got one-on-one therapy. And I wanted to really dive in on the maths on this. Mm -hmm. Because say there are uh, six lessons a day, five days a week. That's 30 lessons a week. Assuming this therapist teaches a child in ev- like has one-on-one therapy with every single child, every single lesson. I looked up a random New York private school. It had 1,200 students. That means you are going to have to hire 40 individual therapists to be able to have one-on-one therapy with every single child every single week. That is too many therapists, Al. What the fuck is going on in this school that this child gets one-on-one therapy? Sorry for moving away. Uh, the My dog kept jumping in. Uh, she may do it again. He, uh, she wanted one-on-one therapy. I get it. She wanted it. one-on-one therapy. I mean, that's what podcasting is, Jamie. It's one-on-one therapy. Uh, look, <laughs> I have to assume it's like when you transit, I like maybe a big point or your parents can request it or whatever. So it's like he's going to a new school, maybe. I agree. It feels like a device. Um, he's uncomfortable with a therapist. He does express that he's uncomfortable yeah. At the school, he feels like he has to fit in. He doesn't like the tie. But even with the therapist, someone who's meant to be there to, if not protect him, then help him. Certainly, he kind of feels the need to self-moderate, right? He kind of talks about being really angry and that he wants to run away. Uh, The therapist is like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, I realize I've gone too far. I've been too honest in this kind of conversation he has uh, with the uh, the teacher, with with the uh, counselor. Um, he then, after this point, uh, as we start to get slightly muddled in my mind, he basically decides that he wants to run away. Oh, no, that's right. Two, two uh, no, no, we, we, conversation we need his... to meet, we need to meet with the granddad first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe, so this is when it is Anthony Hopkins' birthday, and we have the most tragic line in the movie where, in other words, where he's like, it's my birthday, so I got you a gift, yeah. uh, which is very sad. But I also want to just zone in on one potential writing thing here which is um when he receives the gift from his dad which i think is a model rocket um he says to his own grandfather thank you my good man 
No, do you yes. remember this line you are, you are where he says, "Thank you, my good man"? Do you remember this line? He, you are mixing up. A he very three specifically scenes. says, "You are mixing up." Okay, three sure. Scenes. But yes. Okay, I don't care. I just want to talk about the okay. fact that this child says to his own dad, "Thank you, thank you, granddad." Thank you, my. No, he says, "Thank you, my good man." Yes. He says to his granddad, "Thank you, my good man," to his granddad. Al, no eleven-year-old. Ever. I don't care if this is the 80s. No 11-year-old ever has said to his own granddad, thank you, my he's, he's good man. Iro- he's doing it ironically. Like, in the... He, no. He's being ironic. He's being... In that way, kids say, like, he's putting on an air. He's, he's being like, oh, thank you, my good man, kind of thing. Like, like I, okay, I believe... I'll... I buy that. I buy that. All right. I All guess we found right. out someone I'll, was. Cool I, I retract as a child. my statement. I retract my statement from sure. the house. So, of so to spit this out for our listeners, there are actually three scenes. The scene with the rocket happens after his first day of school at the beginning of the year. We then have the birthday scene a little bit earlier. He gives. Uh, it's actually a set of paints that he gives uh, Paul. Yes, uh, it's a, it's, it is a set of paints. They then go right. out for like dinner, and at the dinner, he like falls down a little bit. It has like a shin splint or something. Uh, the mum seems really worried. The adults seem really worried. Uh, Paul doesn't quite guess what's going on. We then have this bit. Now, after Paul's first day of school, so before before this, when he got back, uh, his mum seemed really worried. She kind of mentioned that her the granddad... Uh, what, she doesn't mention anything. She just seems really worried, a little bit sick. Uh, after this, uh, this is when... After this bit is when the granddad says, hey, let's go launch the rocket. And the mum's like, hey, your granddad really wants to go talk to you about something. Let's go launch the rocket. Uh, Anthony Hopkins basically says, uh, hey, i got to go off a couple of days. I just don't want you to be worried because I know we love hanging out all the time. I don't need to be worried if you don't see me for a couple of days. And Paul's like, okay, but you're coming back, right? And the granddad's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, super, 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 that's, that's super subtle. The, writing, the writing's real good. And uh, the granddad's the only one Paul really feels comfortable telling that he, he doesn't really like school because... The kids are, are being racist to one of his old friends. And the granddad said, well, you saw the kids be racist. Um, what did you do? And Paul said, well, of course I did nothing. And the granddad's like, no. What, what do you mean, of course you did nothing? You can't, like, don't don't the, ever. The granddad was like, I've seen, I've seen Logan Paul talk about this. It is not good enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. I saw Logan Paul talk about this at the beginning of the pandemic. I know what it's on about. And that is basically the 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 substance of his things. Like, no, you gotta you gotta fight back. You gotta yeah. you gotta not just let I, it happen. With the foreshadowing that I think he knows that he's very ill and doesn't have a lot of time left, he hates the idea that like his kid would or his kid his grandchild would assimilate to the extent that he would perpetrate in the uh persecution of others uh and he basically says look if anyone ever is mean to any black kids any to any hispanic kids you gotta stand up like you gotta fight you can't just take it lying down like that's not why we're sending you there we're not sending you there to become like that um don't ever like trample over anyone else to get your way to the top uh, which the kid seems to take to heart. Uh, he then, they then lost the rocket. It's very cute. The granddad watches. It's very sweet. Uh, pretty much the next day, uh, Paul is pulled out of school uh, because they're going to the hospital. He sees his granddad really sick. Uh, Jeremy Strong doesn't want Paul to see. Paul stays. Oh, but Paul is like, nah, I've got to see this shit. Like I want to see this old man. wants to see it with his own two eyes. Let me fucking hear that death rattle, baby. I'm a fucking sick pervert. <laughs> <laughs> 
my microphone keeps falling over. I need to fix it. Well, nice. you go, you go. I'm going to so, fix it. Uh, so at this point, uh, they then go to the funeral. I mean, Anne Hathaway goes to the funeral. Jeremy Strong basically decides that it would be, uh, it's too intimate a moment for the kids to go in. So instead they sit in the car watching their mum from uh, afar. Uh, uh, Jeremy Strong gives a very good monologue about how uh, the granddad sort of keeps the entire family together and that he was such a good man and he was the one that always wanted everyone to be together and to be strong. And then he sort of just has this almost introspective, Not the children are there, but he's not even really talking to them, just being like, but now it's just me. Like, I'm, I'm now the one left. I, I have that responsibility now. I don't know if I have the the strength for that um well we'll zone in on that minute because i and and towards the end because i think it made me realize maybe what this movie might be about other than racism but i'm not really sure so i might Uh, bounce it off at this point paul's in class uh paul's uh drawing they had an assignment he's drawing off assignment he's drawing a uh, space rocket in class the teacher says look uh paul you're not doing you got to do the assignment mate but unlike earlier where earlier in the film um, so yeah we yeah we missed a bit where he after having seen the kandinsky at the um guggenheim he basically recreates the kandinsky and the shithill teacher we met earlier is like what the fuck is this this is an imitation i said to do your own work despite the fact you know if a child could recreate a fucking kandinsky maybe you recognize that that's some good talent i don't know i've heard of hitler it's really bad if you suddenly start (laughs) slamming down on the the artistic children maybe you should fucking learn and this teacher at the private school (laughs) no no i didn't compare the teacher to hitler i actually compared the child to hitler i don't know if that's better because because hitler Hitler was kicked out of hitler was kicked out of art school (laughs) if we if he had just been fostered in his artistic endeavors maybe Look, this is not an original observation. I'm not the first guy to say this. Oh, you're um, bold, bold to uh, compare a, a Jewish child. Don't do it, don't do it. Yes, yes, I immediately thought of it as soon as it came in my mouth. Yes, I thought of it as it came in my mouth, Al. I, I don't take it out back, but I wish you didn't say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, anyway the, uh, private school, the private school teacher yeah. is like, look, this is fantastic. This is great. You clearly have a really nice artistic yeah. talent, but this wasn't the task yeah. so maybe at just do time, the task now but this is really good at this time paul is focusing on the computer in the uh side of the lab um yeah uh they, he got, he we have back. missed the plot point uh johnny has been living in oh, paul's um oh. he's been living in paul's uh shed in his backyard since the time we uh saw him uh get pulled in for smoking weed um, he has yeah. been in the same outfit the entire time. He doesn't have shoes anymore. He clearly has bleeding feet. Uh, he's been living in the Wendy house at the back of uh, Paul's house, uh, kind of sleeping out there rough. He basically says that his grand, like people, are tr- uh, social services are trying to take him away from his grandma, uh, and they are also so he's got a lilo grandma into a home uh, at some point soon. So he's just trying to kind of uh, stave off. And then if he can, he wants to go down to Florida. He kind of pulls out an Epcot magazine for Paul. And he's like, hey, look, we could go into Epcot. You could draw. I could, you know, become an astronaut. We're going to make this together. Um, Now, after this, Paul comes home after the uh, day at painting. Uh, He overhears his parents basically talk about how they think they might have to pull him out of school. Because, like, Paul's just, maybe Paul's just too stupid. And there's no 
worth to doing it if um, it's just a waste of money. Uh, he kind of overhears this. Uh, he sees... Uh, uh, so he sees Johnny come into the, the house. They kind of lock eyes on each other. At this point, uh, later that night, uh, Paul comes down and pitches Johnny his great idea, which is, look, we're going to go steal one of the computers. This is still the point where computers are so rare. We're going to go sell it. We're both going to run away to Florida. Johnny doesn't really want to. Like, he's nervous about breaking into a school, but Paul's really pushy about this. He's like, we can do it. We can. Do you know anywhere we can sell it? Johnny's like, yeah, I kind of know somewhere we can sell it. So then they uh, go off. Yeah, he's uh, like, I, I've, I've got, I've got a guy who runs a pawn shop. I reckon, I reckon he might be able to take it. Yeah, um, they, go they break into the break school. In. While they are there, uh, uh, Paul sees that his teacher has put up uh, his picture from class, the the wrong one, the one which wasn't the right one he should have been working on, but which he had said it's a really good piece of art. She put it up outside, and he stares at it for a second. Um, I think there's a he. As probably the only person other than his grandfather who at this point has acknowledged him. So his grandfather, Johnny, who has acknowledged him. um, And he has kind of beat there. Uh, The next day after school, uh, Paul and Johnny... uh, Uh, No, not the next... No, they they steal the computer. Yeah, so they steal steal the computer. And then the next day after school... Oh, yes, they they need to... Yes, they need to sell it. Yeah, Yeah, they need to sell it. It's too hot. It's that night, Jamie. You've got to go the next night. So the next day they go with the computer. They go to the pawn shop. Uh, Johnny uh, gets arrested while doing it. I mean, they clearly know it's been nicked. Oh, what? I could, oh, I so what? Have seen an 11-year-old walking around with I had, a computer I, at a porn shop? Legit. I could, I, could not have, and I could not have seen this coming, that the, the black kid sells it and, 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 and he uh, gets at, arrested. Basically, like, Paul says he could go in, but Johnny says, no, don't worry about it. I'll just go in by myself. Um they then end up at the police station as Paul also gets caught by the police. Uh, the police yeah, officer Yeah, he, he, try, he tries to... Uh, Paul, Paul tries to run yeah. initially, but ends up getting yeah. caught. So they both end up at the police station. As you say, the police officer knows Paul. Paul. And he says, are you having trouble at home? And I think there is a little bit of an implication there that it might not be uncommon for like kids who are beaten at home to want to run. Like, why, why would you want to be pulling off a, a computer or whatever? probably because you're getting hit at home. Like, you'd, if, if you have a bad but, home life, then you... Why would you want to stay? So he's but, to get obviously, Johnny it's does not this. get the same... Yeah. yeah, he does not get the same... Uh, no. Whatever you want to call it. Treatment. He doesn't yeah, get the yeah. same treatment. No. Not um, um, at some uh, point... Uh, Jeremy talking, Strong turns up. Uh, so, even before that, they basically... They have this conversation. Um, Johnny... They're kind of silent. Paul... Is it Mensch? Paul Paul goes. It was my idea. I planned it. I, I it's my fault. He he owns up to his mistake. He says it's on me. It's not Johnny's fault. Johnny looks him in the eyes and Johnny says, "I planned it. It's my fault. He's lying. It's all on me." Uh, that's when yeah. uh, Jeremy Strong turns up. Jeremy Strong, as it turns out, had once fixed the boiler of this guy for of this police officer for free, uh, and so the police officer basically just lets Paul off. Um, yeah, without anything, uh, and so Jeremy Strong uh, takes Paul home, uh, and he gives a monologue in the car, basically outside the house, which goes along the lines of, "Look, you may not see your friend again. In fact, you almost certainly won't. Uh, life is unfair sometimes, and sometimes you are on the right side of that unfairness. And I agree, it's wrong, it's bad. I don't want it to be that way." But sometimes you just have to be thankful for that 
for being in the position. You just have to accept that you've got the good break. Be thankful for it. Yeah, it's it's very much written as a like condemnment of liberal hypocrisy, um, like of a you know the liberal feeling, which is like you feel bad about the privilege, but you won't do anything about it, and if anything, you will exploit it. Um, they then go home. Uh, they basically agree that they. Johnny's like, just don't hit me, please don't hit me. And his dad's like, I'm not going to hit you. Um, your mum's sitting shiver, and we like, we don't want to fuck her up, so um, we're not going to we're not going to mention this ever again. Uh, sitting shiver is the mourning period for uh, Jewish people after yeah. a death. Just for those who don't know. Yeah. Uh, they then uh, go home. It kind of cuts uh, at the end of the film. Uh, we see uh, towards the end of the film, the last like the epilogue really. Uh, we see. Uh, uh, you know everyone's favorite ever everyone's favorite activity of the year yeah. the thanksgiving no, no, day no, no. dance even before that sorry we see um uh reagan uh, obviously governor of new york uh famous democrat uh get elected uh all of the uh graphs uh, the kind of family are around and they're like it's the end of the world uh, this is Armageddon time. But, like, they don't say this is Armageddon time, but the implication is there will be nuclear holocaust. The fear after Carter is that, like, during the Cold War, when Reagan is about, he's really... He's a hawk. He's aggressive when it comes to foreign policy. And people think that this will be a return to the kind of you know, even higher tensions of earlier in the Cold War, uh, which in many ways it is. Uh, they then say, where's Paul? Uh, you said he's a Democrat. He's a, he's a Republican. No, no, mate. That was a joke from early on where I talked about pissing oh. off Bennett. It's okay. If you're oh, out okay. there, Bennett, I'm okay. on to you. And from now on, I will never <laughs> well, say one but... true fact about American history ever again. <laughs> so I, I do want to say I was a little bit confused by this scene mm. because this family is really upset that Reagan got uh, elected. Yeah. This family also sent him to the school where, famously, earlier we learned, so, they chanted yeah. Reagan, yeah. Reagan, so, Reagan. So, so I don't get what I'm supposed to believe about the politics of this family. They are, but, okay, so you know when I mentioned there's a big speech about liberal hypocrisy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's about liberal hypocrisy. It's about, like, it, it's that. Their, their views are they are liberal, they are Democrats, but they are happy to put us... But, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, their belief system only accounts for so much when it's put into actual practice in the real world that they would rather okay. send their kid to a school which will produce the worst president of well, one of the worst presidents in u.s history uh donald trump they would much rather that than they would uh him stay in public school where he might get a worse education and at the same time and this is my thing it's like the way the film presents it i i I understand that tension, that desire to... I mean, obviously, I went to private school, right? Like, I can understand why, if your kid was struggling, uh, you would want to send him to a school where they have half the class size, more teacher time, and the only place where an educator... And, has and actually, private one-on-one therapy, yeah, I mean, baby! I, let's go! Maybe there's value there. But they... So they are liberal. They are Democrats. They are they are New York uh, Jews, who historically are a group which, which votes largely for Democrats, um, unless they move to Florida. But uh, that's that's kind of where they are. So it, it's about... It, the film is about, in many ways, that hypocrisy of that kind of thing. Um, we, they say, where's Johnny? Uh, uh, so where's not Johnny? Johnny's in jail. Where's Paul? Paul is uh, upstairs. He's working on his homework. He's still sad. Um, he thinks of his granddad behind him. He kind of... Uh, while up there, he has a kind of vision of his granddad. Or he's just kind of imagining him. And his granddad uh, says, you know... 
did you fight? And his, his, he was like, I fought, but not hard enough. And his granddad went, not hard enough. You have to keep doing it. Um, and Johnny's kind of very beat up. And then goes for Thanksgiving. And a very timely uh, time to watch this, of course, uh, this week for Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. They are giving a speech. Fred Trump comes back up to give a speech at the beginning of this, I think, where he's like, we always donate to the Thanksgiving holiday. My favorite holiday. Fred Trump approved. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, again, I want to repeat that they are having the famous Thanksgiving Day dance. Yeah. Now, again, I did not go to school in America. I did watch this with an American. She can confirm not normal yeah. to get a bunch oh. of kids together to dance on Thanksgiving because you know what they're normally doing yeah. on Thanksgiving? I got with the fucking family, Jamie, Jamie, dude. now, again, as the uh, as the history, the American history expert on the podcast, of course, you might not understand what Thanksgiving is, okay? That's okay. You're British. I get that. Thanksgiving actually was the uh, first time the pilgrims came across to America, and uh, they weren't allowed to dance uh, back in Europe. And when they came here, they danced, <laughs> yeah. and they were thankful for it. So actually, it's very traditional, the, the Thanksgiving dance. Uh, anyway, so Fred Trump gives a speech where he's like, you're the leaders of tomorrow. You're the, the, the future titans of industry. And Paul looks at this and is just like, nah, fuck it, I'm leaving. And um, yeah. heads out. He leaves. He he chooses not to engage. Indeed. And that is the end of the movie. I have not written an anagram. Shit. Uh, I, was I got going one. To... It's not a good one, but okay. I win then. Damn it. Okay. That's it. That's all you got. Damn it. Okay. Don't know what that says about your thoughts on the movie. So, Al. Oh, Al. I, I finished watching this movie and I turned to the person who I watched it with and I said, I'm going to be so annoyed because I know Al's going to have liked that movie. I know Al's going to have liked that movie because he's going to think about the themes and all the thoughtfulness and the thinking. And I watched it. And I thought the writing was terrible. I thought the script was so bad. I, I ge- like genuinely, that's my, one of my biggest issues with this movie. This was written by someone who, for my mind, has not ever spoken to anyone that does not is not the exact same age as him. Because I felt like the writing for the old characters and the writing for the young characters was really weird and stilted at times and did not sound like how old people or young people speak. Anthony Hopkins, bless him, did an incredible job trying to make it sound good. And I thought the writing for Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong's characters was relatively fine because the writer-director seems to be the same age as, uh, as, as those people. I thought the script was really bad. I thought it was really stilted dialogue at times. Um... I have other issues, but I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you interject with some some positivity sure. before I uh, rail the, on this. The film movie. of Anne Hathaway's, and I'm I'm excited to just chat about her in a second. But we'll talk about the film first. Um, the film of Anne Hathaway's, I think this is most like, is uh, Rachel Getting Married, which is a film that when which we, you liked a lot more than yeah, I. Yeah, which is a film which when I first watched, I I kind of left and I was like, oh, okay, like weird, very long, three star, like they're dancing. Um, and the longer away I am from that movie, the more I like it. The more I really, it sticks with me. I think about it a lot. I think about The Last Shot. I think about Rachel Getting Married a lot. I don't think it's as good as Rachel Getting Married I don't, I, I, at all. I think that movie is like a naturalistic masterpiece. Like I, I genuinely love that film. I think it's a, probably her best movie. Maybe Colossal. I don't know. Um, 
what I like about this film, when I like it, I like the texture, I do like the script, I love Anthony Hopkins, I love everyone's performances, I think everyone's giving a really strong performance. I, I, I do I, I do think, I, I, I yeah. want to say, I do think the performances are very, very good, despite so, the fact that I don't like the script. Even kind of divorced from the, the based on real life aspect of it, so, so to, ignoring that for a second before getting back into that, like, I like the way that everything I maintain feels very well observed and... Um, not processed, but like it's not presented archetypally. Nothing is presented archetypally. Jeremy Strong beats his kid, like he, he beats him very badly, and in many ways is monstrous. And yet, at the same time, the movie takes time to show us the ways in which he is a loving father, um, as much as he is a awful father. Uh, Anne Hathaway, I think, gives a great. I, is I, I will say Anne Hathaway is criminally underused yeah i i thought she was going she, to come back she, more she in is act... in about nine minutes of this movie yeah i thought she was going to come in more in act three and she really isn't instead yeah, especially considering it yeah like considering it's her dad that dies we really don't see a lot of her processing mm. that grief which i get because it doesn't serve the plot at least the yeah. plot that they want to tell as much but it's it's what i would like I... to see considering i think that Anne Hathaway is brilliant sure um I, I love the texture. I do like the writing. I do love Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins will undoubtedly be nominated for an Oscar, probably for it. Yeah. I, I mean, just because he's on a run of getting nominated that. for stuff. Um, I think... I, I love Jeremy Strong in it. I think he gives performance. I think Banks for Peter... I also agree with that. Paul Graff. Fantastic. Um, where I don't like it is in... I think, like you said, is, is in the the tidiness of it. I feel it is too tidy at places. Uh, I'm going to read from a review, uh, which I do like, um, which is by okay. uh, A.A. Doubt, who used to be the uh, reviewer from the AV Club, or a review from the AV Club, he now reviews for Crone. But he basically writes, uh, Self-awareness is an admirable quality in a person and an artist. That Greg can look at his own history and see the countless second chances he has afforded, sometimes at the expense of those who got none, speaks well to his character. But in making the acknowledgement the framework of Armageddon Time, He's given his life story the tidy, well-meaning structure of a college admissions essay. And I think that's a uh, brutal, but a fair yeah. review. It does, at times, feel like a college admission essay and that it's like, well, this is my life and I know that I am privileged, but, you know, this is this is the way I'm exploring that. But in reality, it doesn't, I think, partly because of its overly tight focus on Paul, um, I feel like it doesn't actually consider the people the other people in his life in his orbit at this time quite the way i might want to for this to be the fullest thing i think i basically on a on letterbox now here's the question though on letterbox i gave this three and a half stars which obviously on this i don't give half stars you you don't give wow wow so you give half stars elsewhere you don't give them here well, I, so we'll we'll get into scores in a second. I want to say I'm very glad because we have, we have very similar. Yeah. The, my actual criticisms of the movie very much lie in that it really, like, so I want I'm going to talk about this and then I'm going to loop back to that font choice. So this is a movie that is all really about guilt. It it it's about it's about a lot of guilt that this director has about, as you say, these second chances, these thoughts where he might have been able to treat other people in his life better, whether this is directly biographical or not. I really hope it's not that he didn't just get his best friend sent to jail uh, when he was 11 years old. Um, but that this is really framed around guilt and this idea of this someone growing up in a community and there being 
a black kid in his community that is treated so much worse, that is treated horribly, and he gets all the privilege from it. And to try to approach that discussion and for there to be really one black character in your movie. There is there are two other black actors that appear at all. The one no, that you three. talk about uh, in... Three. I, well, you might be able to remind me. There's the one on the train Chai who train. Uh, ch- chides him. Are there two on the train? Okay, there's two on the one, train. One, one who chides him. One's non-speaking. And then his... Uh, there's a very short like flash scene of Johnny's uh, grandmother, I believe. Um, so for this to be a film where you apparently feel so guilty and yet it is so bereft of black voices and black but perspectives really this, pisses me off. Is, and to tie this into sure. something slightly lighter hearted, to then have the font of your fucking movie be graffiti style fresh prints. Like there's, I, but, but there's not, two no, 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 no. options. I, I, I reject that. It's not graffiti style fresh prints. It's okay. meant to be like the subway. So, like, The Fresh Prince is a film that doesn't come out... There's a TV show that doesn't come out for, for 10 years. So, like, I understand... It's a TV now, show that has come out. Sure, but not by this point in time that this film is set. So, no, I know it's come out now, but by the time the show is set, it doesn't exist. Like, Will Smith is a is an inkling of the child. The film, that film, TV show comes in the 90s. It is specifically in reference to, one, stuff like the... Both, like, the uh, Sugar Hill Gang kind of, like, early hip-hop stuff. Which I which okay. I appreciate, and but I think so, more specifically to the film, one of its main locations, not one of the locations, one of the regular locations, which is the subway of New York. It is about the like the graf- the horrifically graffitied subway cars, and I think it's and the idea that like graffitied onto society at this time is the sense that the world is that this is the end of time. Like you like I'm not sure like a phrase like which comes about quite a lot like the end of time is the idea that like or the end of history sorry is the idea that like. Either this is the end that we feel, like that people nowadays don't feel like we are part of a continuum. We feel like this, it is constantly near the apocalypse. That with Reagan coming in, that this is a transitional time to, uh, if you were part of the Graf family, the end of the world. Uh, and two, that it's a thing on the wall. Like it's a thing. Like the writing is on the wall when it comes to the end of the world kind of thing. That it's it's a the the way in which like it's both Armageddon for uh, or Armageddon time at least like in the sense of. Um, the disenfranchised like people people are graffitiing all that kind of stuff feel like this is the end of the world because there is nothing for them it's a time in New York specifically I mean the 70s really but the 80s too New York is not a good place to be New York is you know it is notoriously like very high crime highest murder rates in the country kind of thing Giuliani baby hasn't come in and cleaned up these streets that's that's (laughs) so so for me there, there are two things one like I I agree with you that, like, I think the issue... The issue for me is that it's a true story. Because, like, I think it is unfair to uh, put on a artist who is himself, uh, like, in a minority group um, to say that, like, the exploring of his own, like, his own tensions within that group, it is... I, I, sorry, let me, let me rephrase this. He is not a black voice, and therefore I don't think necessarily that, like, he feels qualified to provide black voices. I understand that, like, from a creative perspective, that he's focusing on specifically the hypocrisy in his own in-group. This is... We're getting but, nonsense. But he, is, but he is using a black character as a contrast to that. No, no, no. Not and I get that you say... It's, if it's a true story, he's not using it anyway. But, but so... Okay, I, I agree if it's, that if what he's not doing so is not giving the character more, enough internal life. 
that like we don't we don't so we see... don't know we don't know how true yeah. this is like whether this is a directly true story or not i guess my argument would be is i don't think there was only one black kid in queens in the 80s uh, like no i mean like i mean the honest I, the honest answer is like i wouldn't be surprised if it was if the area was like mostly white like a lot of new york a lot of new york for a long time like queens i don't think was a historically black neighborhood i i may be completely off in my head it's like the bronx and then hell's kitchen uh in Harlem. 1980 uh the foreign born percentage uh in queens was 28.6 percent which is the highest of any of the five boroughs sure, now that is just foreign born i don't know what that necessarily that means mean, i'm just looking at demographics of new york uh, that's not that's not uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it, that it, uh it, it, within it, it will not in the 1980s it, it won't like it will be referring to like recent immigrants so it, it may be referring to people from africa but it won't be referring to like the african-american community that's fair um, that's fair uh all i can give is that sure but, tall, but, but yeah but not, no but, i don't have i, I do not have specific even, even beyond that right the real reason why there's no other black kids in his class is because there is like school level segregation which is still an issue with new york to this day yeah where that's fair effectively there are like even in integrated schools the issue is that there is like they basically will put schools in a certain catchment area which is mostly black and they will put schools in a certain catchment area which is mostly white and they will try and avoid integration as much as possible in fact that's the thing that his parents in the film try and drive even further you know uh, his mum like esther who is on the pta is like this kid is clearly a problem we're going to move you across to a school which is even whiter than the one you were in to begin with like it's you know it's the fact that like as a jewish character he is both perceived as white but when it, the push comes to shove, he would not be treated as white by society. So it is that he can move about the world as a white person, but he will like experience discrimination for his uh, ethnic identity in a way that white people do not. Um, I I I agree with you. I think it's like a tension. I don't. What I think is the issue is like there are things you could do. I was thinking all the way through this. I was thinking last night. There are things you could do. I think to. Um, make it more palatable where you'd give uh, Johnny a speech or you could, uh, you know, focus more, like he could go to Johnny's house or things like that. But my issue is, I think in doing it, you take off what it are very jagged edges to this film. This film is, is I, I feel quite raw and I feel it is quite jagged and I think it is quite accusatory to um, the people in his life. And I, I think, so I, I think by giving more of those scenes... I can understand that, like, what you're doing is you're trying to flesh out this character, and that's good. But it's making the what you're doing is you're making the story more palatable rather than accusatory, which I think it, it currently is. So when we move on to scores, mm-hmm. I'm I'm I have a feeling I may like this more with time. Um, okay, I think this film is a three star film. I'll give it if I'm giving it on a, the pure no halves, I would give it a three out of five. I I like it. I like the writing a lot more than you. I do agree with the Dowd thing where he's like, it feels like a college admissions essay. It's it's too tidy. Um, and I think part yeah. of that is because it is too personal that I feel it doesn't want to get into characters that are based on real life figures. Um, interesting. I, would, I, <laughs> I was half... I was maybe going to give a higher score than three. Obviously, famously, I give uh, I give decimals. You hated uh, the script. You don't. 
I did hate the script. I hated the script. So I, was, I, thought I was surprised. Really, that, okay, in which case I'm surprised because you, you were very I, negative. I, I, so I thought you were going to give it higher than me. I, well, so I really like the performances, firstly. I, I think... I think Jeremy Strong is brilliant. I think Anthony Hopkins is great. I think Anne Hathaway is criminally underutilized. Uh, I think the music is actually really good. Yeah. I quite like the music quite a lot. Um, and I think, I think the movie, I think the movie has some interesting things to say. Um, I sort of pontificated on the idea when Jeremy Strong talks about him being the one that's left after. Uh, thing I don't know enough about the 80s but maybe the idea of the 60s and 70s being high flying being very enjoyable uh, strong fun culture and whatever and thing like that whereas the 80s there's suddenly this crushing realization that everything's not going to be going up and up forever and I mean, that's, um, the, that's the 70s really like it's the the 70s or, especially well, New York. It, yeah. whenever whenever this sentiment comes in I know it comes in at sure. some point so Jeremy Strong having that sort of the the metaphor of his granddad dying and him sitting there being like oh i'm 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 now in charge i'm now what's left and i have to deal with this um i thought it was quite powerful i thought I, I, I thought it was really interesting um i just think it on its main messages for me it really bungles it uh personally i think i just yeah, I've, I've already expressed. It. I don't. I don't like the way it frames the messages it do, does and uses the characters it has to do it. I, I think it doesn't give enough. I know you say it's a deeply critical film, and I think it is trying to be. For me personally, I don't think it is critical enough. Um, and uh, on top of that, I think the fonts are like even if even if the messaging of the font is bad. It is is correct, whatever it may be. I just think the font sucks. I think it's bad graphic design. Um, but the uh, but I I struggle to give a film a really bad score. I struggle to give a film a less than a three in where I so really deeply enjoyed a lot of the performances. I think my thing is that like, so whether you like it or not, I agree. I agree. Right? Like there's there's an issue that when talented people work on a thing and try their hardest, there is only so bad or unenjoyable or without merit a thing is like it you know it's it's a load of people working at the top of the game with of a and i agree it's like it's one of those things where we're the least qualified people to talk about this film in any way possible yep so we can only talk about our personal reaction oh, i'm glad like, you said it an hour and a half in because oh, people have already listened to most of it so we are the, the least qualified people in the world to talk about this film um i mean prince charles king charles crap i need to get rid of that uh, maybe he's worse, but yeah, I, I, I get, I get where you're coming from. Like it's, it's hard to. Um, I think, I think I'm gonna just dip it below a three. I'm gonna give it a two point nine, and that's for one reason. It's a thing I want to talk about slightly, and maybe I'm being too harsh. But I think every director, every single director who's ever directed a film and written films, mm-hmm. in their mind, feels like at some point I'm gonna tell my childhood. I have such interesting things to say about my incredibly unique, special childhood. And I think every writer-director thinks that. And I don't think every writer-director is correct in thinking that. I don't know how much unique this film has to say. That doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily need to be made. Whatever, you've got enough clout, you get to make the film about your childhood because... 
you think your childhood is 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 special and i'll give you credit for not making your parents unrealistically hot and sexy well done on that but you know maybe i'm not necessarily levying this directly at this director but i think as a general trend I don't think every director needs to no, make the I, film about their I, childhood. I, I, I am very excited to see the Fablemans. I, I do really want to see that. I've heard good reviews about that. I think. Yeah, no, no, you know my, what? I think, I think Steven issue. Spielberg earns that. Irrelevant sure. of how yeah, important, yeah, yeah. how interesting Steven Spielberg's childhood yeah. is, he's just earned it. He just no, gets no, to I, do it. <laughs> I, I think my thing is this. It's the question for me is like, does what's the tension in the story, and then like who, what perspective are you telling it from? Because I. My issue with the film is that I I can understand the drama in it. I can understand the tension in it, which is, like, will he do the right thing, all that kind of stuff. But because ultimately... I can't, because see, ultimately, I can't really understand ultimately the tension. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because ultimately it's a mood piece about a time. It's about yes. a time and a place. And it's not... There is not, really, a lot of action. Uh, just in the, in the no. sense of people doing things. And there is pretty much no... The, the, a character makes one choice and it fucks up a friend's life forever but and does nothing for him but that is kind of the only choice he really makes actively rather than a friend being like do you want to smoke some weed and he's like yeah I don't know what weed is sure like that's not really a choice do you want to kick class yeah I'll quit class nothing really comes of it yeah it's, it's not internally a dramatic thing and I both like that as a well that's why I feel that it's not it doesn't go into those... You know what it talks about where I'm like, oh, you can do a scene with his grandma or whatever. Like, it doesn't do that. And I feel that's partly because it's not drama. It's not, you know, that kind of... There's no propulsion to it. Like, people people are being moved forwards because they're living life. Then They're not moving forwards because they're a character and acting agency and doing things. They are... It's... I don't know what... I guess it's drama, but, like, I feel most dramas have more choice in a thing like but that's why it's like Rachel getting married a film which is just about someone who made the choice to go to a sister's wedding you know it's things happen but it's not to see the characters do things see that's why I came out of that and I knew you would like it more than me despite the fact that we ended up giving very similar scores because if I said hey Al there's a movie it's a mood piece set in New York in the 80s. Oh. Nothing happens. Oh. You'd be like, oh, Let's fuck go. yeah, baby. And I would be like, oh, fucking shoot me in the dick. You know, I just think all movies should be Marvel movies. That's my opinion now. Yeah, fuck are, Martin these are the Scorsese. Two ends of the it is Armageddon Time <laughs> and then uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Uh, yeah. Um, let's talk about Anne Hathaway in this movie. Uh, I think she's brilliant. I think, like I said, I'm not going to say too much about it because I think she's criminally underused. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you've cast Anne Hathaway in this movie and you haven't even really given her one big moment other than the bit where you talk about where she uh, throttles her child. She like she gets that in the first 15 minutes and she barely fucking appears in the movie for the rest of the movie. And Anne Hathaway is fucking incredible. I also want to talk about, I did, ah, I remember the other thing I want to talk about. I think it's very interesting that um, we have now reached a bookend in uh, Anne Hathaway's career because she started her career in The Princess Diaries, wherein they had to make her ugly. They had to try and make her ugly so she could play this ugly duckling kind of character. We have now reached Armageddon time, where they have once again had to make Anne Hathaway ugly so that she can make... She's not ugly in this. She's not ugly. She's not ugly, but they've... 
Anne Hathaway she's, is they, one they, of the most attractive down. women in the world. And so they have had yeah. to try and dress her down and make her appear not the most attractive woman in the world. So Anne Hathaway has managed to get a solid 15 years of her career where she was allowed to be hot. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. Hollywood has now decided that Anne Hathaway is not allowed to be hot anymore. I know, but I, and I'm very sad. But, but if, it's, it's basically that like Anne Hathaway wants to buy her. She's not hot as Fontaine. Maybe the beginning of the film, not when she's lost all her okay. teeth and has no oh, hair. Oh yeah, okay. One, okay. She, she got, she got her Oscar. She, yeah, she did her what? Yeah, she, she had to like, be, she had to be ugly to get her Oscar, yeah. and then she went yeah. back to being and hot also, again. Jamie, you proved my point. You're missing the witches, <laughs> is which is a weird reptile witch, uh, which I know was your, it's your king. Uh, behind, <laughs> behind people in armor, um, uh, it's uh, people. Hey, with Al, I'm just you. trying to be on the right side of history here. I think it's bullshit. Women get like ten years where they get to be hot in Hollywood and then they have to be mums so but the converse thing Jamie is that men never have to be hot in Hollywood you you seem to think that that's like, fair Anne Hathaway just like walks on set and glows naturally there is a team like I'm not saying she's not very beautiful she's very beautiful there is also a team there who does the makeup and all the hair for that film cool. just as okay this Al, Al I'm just I'm just predicting I'm just making my prediction yeah. Anne Hathaway will be unattractive in movies for the next 15 until, years. No. She'll get another 15 years of ugly until she gets to be Dame, no, Dame Judi Dench, yeah. Meryl Streep, no, Helen it's, Mirren, it's, and then she gets to be the hot old woman again. No, I, I will, I'm going to go converse on that, which is uh, I think she'll do it until she wins an Oscar again. Like, I think the issue is, as we have discussed... <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's going ugly for the Oscar. This is our campaign for Anne Hathaway for the next few years. Uh, she's going ugly for the Oscar. But, no, I mean, it's, it's, I think in part it's just like, what roles do women win Oscars for? And it's the, like, you know, uh, the transformational roles. It's not a transformation, but it's definitely a period piece. Um, yeah. I will say... Anyway, I'm going to, I think she's yeah. very good, but she's underused. I'm going to give her a four. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much. This, the thing, the performance, the performance for her, this most reminds me of is, um, uh, Dark Waters, um, in which she gives. Oh, I was I was going to say sort of Brokeback Mountain sort of style. Uh, uh, it's very it's very occasionally in the movie, but I think yeah. it's really like Dark Waters playing the wife. I see. Oh, so yeah, no, I I, I just yeah. remember Dark Waters. Uh, yeah, you're right. film, it, is, it is very similar to Dark Waters. Be trying to be in a criminally underused. Then it's but basically yeah. we've discussed like Anne Hathaway's like career path. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, and part of that is I I, I imagine. I know nothing about how the way that Hollywood works. You basically you need to get your quote up, right? You want to you want to start making money. You want to be making like bigger bigger numbers. So you end up being in hey, movies which will pay you a lot of money, but which aren't necessarily good. So you're in Get Smart, or you're in The Witches. Uh, the Witches maybe slightly different, but like you're in uh, The Hustle, the movie I I hate the most. Um, uh, that happens. And then eventually people are like, well, I don't have the bad movies. So you start taking smaller roles in lower budget things so you can get your credits up. You can hopefully win another Oscar and then you go back up and you can be in the bad stuff again. So I think we're hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed. I mean, what what's she in next? We, we know this, don't we? Um, uh, we have discussed this, but I don't remember because it's mostly uh, Tom Tom Hanks we've got coming up. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, not uh, Asher City, is it? No. Storybots answer. What? There was a TV show this year? What's Storybots? Holy shit, she's in a kids' TV show. Uh, we might have to have. Uh, she's got Eileen coming up. Uh, she's actually not and... quite a kid's lined up. Uh, Eileen, she's in the Sesame Street movie. We, of course, knew that. 
She came to me. Eileen's completed. A woman's friendship with a new co-worker at the prison facility where she works takes a sinister turn. Now, here's the real question. If this doesn't get released before November, not November, uh, February, uh, I'm assuming it's bad. Unless it's getting released next Oscar season. But that sounds like someone wants to win an Oscar. Um, she came to me. She's playing Patricia. Uh, the description of that one is... <laughs> you're, you're just reading. Oh, um, follows uh, a composer who suffers writer's block and rediscovers her passion after an adventurous one-night stand. Oh, no. Anyway, I give her a four. I think she's good. This, I think she's underused. I don't think she's going to win. I pro- don't think she'll be nominated for any Oscars. No. It's definitely no, no, absolutely. Not. I think that's why the move was for. But I, think uh, I think, I think if 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 there are any nominations out of this, it'll be Hopkins. Hopkins that's why they released it in a like like that's why they released it in a minimal theater release so it could qualify Every, for oscar season yeah i mean here's the thing i don't think they wanted to at the moment uh, a lot of these movies are getting really dumb release strategies where they're releasing them really wide they make no money and then they pull them after two weeks so like it used to be when you release these kind of movies you would uh release them very small first so you'd like for example the uk uh you might release in london you do in london cinemas you get word of mouth up people have to go there it builds out builds out you start releasing more and more screens across the, you know across the country like uh, lots of things happen like that um, at the moment, where it's like either streaming or theaters are kind of empty, but for Marvel movies, that people are thinking you have to make all your money at once, so they release them as many theaters as possible. No one goes to see them; they're out quickly. This came out in Canada, I think, for maybe two weeks for the cinemas near me. I missed. I was going to watch the cinemas and I missed it, which I was annoyed by. Anyway, uh, well, we go on to the Anne. So after uh, ranking Anne Hathaway's performance out of five, we go on to the uh, Anne Hathaway's sweetheart Amateur. Uh... Uh, she's a racist. Yeah, how much this. of America's sweetheart is? Yeah, she's a racist, and she uh, throttles her child and lets her husband yeah. beat her child, which means America loves her. Five. Uh, I'm gonna give her um, uh, two. Uh, she didn't vote for Ronald Reagan, America's favorite president. Fun fact: that's an American <laughs> history fact. Um, so I'm just gonna go to Google.com. Uh, in- Best president ever number one Ronald Reagan wow fun facts about American history oh sweet thank you for looking that up thank yeah. you for looking that up for me um are you going to stash away no 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 where does Jeremy Strong go on the Ant Man's list oh shit Ant Man's fuck I forgot technically there's two Ant Man's in this no that what's the other one uh oh is it love interest technically it's Anne Hathaway's love interest uh, yes, it is love interest. What were you going to say? Fucking Anthony Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins should be on the list, I, to- I totally forgot about Anne's fans. Uh, dear listeners, for anyone who hasn't listened to us do uh, Anne Hathaway in a while, uh, we are ranking every single Anne Hathaway love interest. Uh, currently at the top of my list is Hugh Dancy from Ella Enchanted. Oh. Currently at the bottom of my list is Lawrence Fox from Becoming Jane. That's, That's mostly because Lawrence That's Fox true. is a racist. But you know what? Jeremy Strong Jeremy That's Strong true. himself isn't a racist. That's why yeah. La- Lawrence Fox is in Sucks. there because Lawrence Fox isn't a racist. Yeah. Jeremy Strong isn't a it's racist, really hard. And like, I assume. Uh, I, I maintain that, like... It's something I had when I left the movie, which is, like, how much does the movie want us to think that, like, it was partly just that people in... People thought it was acceptable to to beat your kids at this time. Like, how much of it is that versus how much of it is him? So, how much of it is societal evil and people being conditioned by that? And how much of it is, is him specifically? I can't quite tell. Unfortunately, I don't like when people beat kids in films. So, he's in the bottom yeah. half of my thing, uh, obviously. Uh, I guess he's below Cosette's father, because we never see him. Uh, he's below Arctic Monkey Boy. Ooh, but I hate Arctic Monkey Boy. 
from Princess Diaries. My bottom five are Cosette's father from Les Mis. I'd say Monkey Boy from Princess Diaries. That's the love interest in the first film. James Franco from the Oscars. Dan Fogler from Don Quixote. And raises a piece of shit for uh, Becoming Jane. Um, also, Bard for Life, Jason Sudeikis. Maybe he's in the Bard for Life. Bard for Life? What didn't you... You're not even on the list. You're not even on the list. He's a murderer? If you're just straight up yeah, but he's, you're but that's he's a that's because he's a that, no, that was because he was a murderer very specifically. And and you very specifically have a real and abusive. No, no, no. It was but no, he no. It was very genocide. specifically because he's a murderer. It was very specifically no, no, he's because he's a murderer also, like, because you have a real weird thing about thing. murder. He's gaslighting her in the film. Uh, yes, no, I know. But the reason he there are plenty of terrible people on our list. The reason he is not on the list is because he's a murderer. Uh, I'm sorry. I have lots of murderers on my list as well. All right. Matthew McConaughey's butt from Serenity. He fought in the Iraq war. He may have killed someone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The Rock and Get Smart kills lots of people. It's it's a combat. It, Jason Sudeikis plays the best villain in an Anne Hathaway movie. Uh, and so oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's there. Maybe I should. I also don't think I put. I don't think I put him on my list at all because mm. I didn't consider him a love interest. Well, he's definitely a love interest for the first half of the film, and then he turns out to be evil. Uh... I have to go, I guess i got to put him underneath Dan Fogler, although I really don't want to. But, yep, there you go. Okay. Going in at number 54. Uh, so, the bottom of my list uh, is currently Lawrence Fox right at the bottom. Uh, and then it's four animals, because I don't want Anne Hathaway to fuck an animal. Um, so, he's going just above the animals. He's getting the bottom of the list that is not animals and Lawrence Fox. Uh, so, good old child beater is going just above the Baron from The Cat Returns. Uh, he does The Baron from The Cat Returns does get the top animal spot, because he is a sexy cat. Oh, Baron from cat. Uh, The Cat Returns is like somewhere in the middle of my list. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm fairly sure the Baron was in your top five for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so, right, so Al, we've been for almost as long as this goddamn movie. Oh, my God, time. Uh, so, yeah, this is going in. Right. This is indeed going in my uh, blank spec, yeah. Oh, interesting. On a three. I, I have a feeling a I'll like three. this more in future days, but um, I do, I'm like sure this. you will. Uh, this is, uh, I'm not snatching away this movie. Um, I, I did not hugely like it. I will reveal at this point, I did watch it very hungover at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Uh, don't recommend watching it in that state. If you no. do want to watch it, just watch it in another state. Um, but either way, I don't think I would have... Uh, Bart Simpson is at my number four. I like that. It's oh, disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, when one of us... And it's been a while since we've had a disagreement uh, last time I can see a disagreement was Dark Waters, which I liked and you didn't. That went in my stash away and you're not. Um, I didn't put Colossal in my stash away. That's surprising. Colossal's great. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, this is this is the first thing I... This is, except for Dark Waters, uh, this is the first thing I've stashed away of uh, Anne Hathaway's since Interstellar. It's going back How a while. How did you not put Colossal in there? I, to be fair, I had to, like, sell you on Colossal in that session. Like, you liked it a lot more by the end than you did at the beginning of that film. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah no, I did not particularly like watching that movie. Anyway, when one of us does not... does not help. Um, um, when one of us does not stash away something, uh, we must uh, place something to... Uh, choose something to replace it. Uh, and we referenced uh, the World Cup earlier. Um, the World Cup's disgusting. Qatar sucks. <laughs> um uh, it is absolutely disgusting that it has been uh, put there. I'm frankly ashamed by the lack of spine that any of the uh, FAs have had in backing down on any of the mere minor protests 
that they uh, committed to. Uh, and thus, I want to recommend your local football team. Um, I've been going, I think I may have actually done this before, uh, but I've been going to announce my local football team, Dulwich Hamlet, for a while. Um, I think it's important to remember how good football can be and how important it can be for local communities and that football doesn't have to be, uh, or sports in general, does not have mm. to be the corporate monolith that yeah. it has become representing and um, uh, corporatizing such terrible views uh, through various monopolies that uh, have taken away the heart and soul of football, but they don't have to because you can go back and you can just watch it being played at a local level and support local businesses. I 100% agree uh, that all sports are better the worse the people playing them are. (laughs) I I, I agree. It's much funner. Uh, People get messier. It's great. Um, So yeah, that's that's a go and support your local football team and or any local uh, sport team or just local business. Go go and just leave your house and find the the nearest thing you can give money to. Um, That's my recommendation. (laughs) Uh, With that, Al, um, we are done here for today. We need to let people know what we are doing coming up. We've got, of course, our Christmas episode, our special Christmas episode. Are we going to reveal what we're doing? Uh... Yes, let's do it. Okay, cool. So uh, for the last three years, we have reviewed um, Polar Express uh, every year because it's the only Christmas-themed movie that either Tom Hanks or Anne Hathaway have done. Uh, But I watched it last year, and it fucking broke me. It destroyed me. I just could not commit to doing it again. Uh, So instead, I'm going to commit to a longer thing, which is the Polar Express video game. Uh, Me and Hal, that is not going to be our Christmas episode this year. We are both finding various ways of uh, playing the 2004 either PS2 or GameCube uh, video game Polar Express, and we will be reviewing it at Christmas. Uh, coming up after that, we've got uh, a couple of um, Tom Hanks things. We've got A Man Called Otto uh, coming out in the new year as well. That is supposedly highly hyped. It's an adaptation of a very good... Um, is it highly it's, hyped? It's, is it highly hyped? It is because it's, it an ad- like it's an adaptation of a really popular... Um, uh, no, I think it's a Nordic Ooh. movie. Yeah, basically I can't remember. Which might have been... A Man Called Ove. But both... But both of those got very good reviews. So there's only two options here, Al. But there's only two options. When when Americans remake fabled, loved European property, there are two options. It is either incredibly good or absolutely dog shit. And both of those are exciting to me. Both of those make for fun episodes. So join us for our torturous uh, Polar Express video game episode. Join us for our A Man Called Otto, which is our Schrodinger's cat uh, of episodes. Uh, But between now and then, Alexander, what can our dear listeners do? You can go out there, guys, and you can spread the word, okay? We're out here at the forefront of uh, film uh, and uh, cinema and uh, also sometimes television. And uh, we are just breaking waves in how people talk about movies. Uh, If people want to see really uh, insightful uh, commentary on the complex racial politics uh, of 1970s America, (laughs) then they know they can come to the people that they trust. That's right, it's the Blanks Bank Boys, okay? You can come, you can listen to us, it's going to be fantastic, we know that. You'll feel uncomfortable, we'll feel uncomfortable, it's great. Maybe direct them to one of the many episodes not 
uh, about Armageddon. For example, <laughs> uh, We Crashed, uh, a great series of three episodes where we reviewed all the We Crashed episodes. Fantastic. Love and Other Drugs, a movie which broke me. Uh, all the uh, the one Batman one, great. Interstellar, great film. Actually, no, that's a lie. Go back and re- listen to the Serenity episode. I love the Serenity episode. Go just force people to listen to the Serenity episode. No, that's a lie. Devil Wears Prada. There's so many good Anne Hathaway movies intermixed with so many of the bad, and we reviewed them all. All. We reviewed them all. <laughs> all of them. Listen to them and spread the word. Or the brain worm will get you too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good work. From me, Jamie, I'm a co style. That's one more. In the bank. Woo. Oh, you don't have an ending bit. Oh, oh, oh. Don't hit your kids. Don't hit your kids. Please don't. Um, Get, yeah, that's, that's yeah, just it's just the PSA. Don't, don't we do don't it. have an ending bit. Just a PSA. Yeah. Just don't hear your kids. Ah, don't, hear your kids. don't be racist. Yeah. That's another thing. Good, good that's thing true. that we learned from this movie. Don't be racist. Blank spank.